Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Friday, August 30th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, a Missouri artist is using his family's traditions and Mexican heritage to explore immigration through paintings and paper cuttings. I'd like to give you just like snapshots of what I think are conditions that someone that is undocumented sort of knows or understands. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis speaks with the artist whose snapshots will be represented at an exhibit at the Craft Alliance Center of Art and Design. First, the news. We start today with an intriguing discovery by Washington University researchers. They have found that the invasive tiger mosquito has adapted to colder climates in the U.S. by laying eggs that can survive harsh winters. Here's St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen. In the last 30 years, the Asian tiger mosquito has spread from southern areas like Texas to northern states like Iowa. Scientists collected eggs from the northern and southern parts of the species range in the U.S. They reported in the Journal of Applied Ecology that eggs laid by mosquitoes in northern areas survive better in the winter. The Asian tiger mosquito can transmit West Nile, Zika, and chikungunya viruses. Researcher Kim Medley says it's uncertain what the public health concerns could be if its population keeps growing in northern states. Some of our upcoming work will hopefully do some modeling work to be able to make a prediction. Medley says it's likely that the species could be found in more northern parts of the U.S. in the coming years. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. The Missouri governor's mansion has been under renovation for months. St. Louis Public Radio's Jacqueline Driscoll had a chance to walk through the building yesterday for a closer look at some of the changes. The $3.8 million project began in mid-June. The primary focus is upgrading the mechanical, electrical, and plumbing systems throughout all three floors. The project is so extensive, Governor Mike Parson and First Lady Teresa Parson had to move out. They're staying in a modest two-bedroom home at the National Guard base in Jefferson City. Teresa Parson joked it's been interesting, living in such tight quarters again. It's just great. <laughs> well, let's see. The, it, the house does have two small bathrooms or two bathrooms, so we still have our little, little own areas to go to, I guess. Funding for the renovations came through bonding approved in 2015 and 2016. It's expected to be completed by October 25th. In Jefferson City, I'm Jacqueline Driscoll, St. Louis Public Radio. Hundreds of cyclists will be zipping around several St. Louis neighborhoods starting today. They are part of the Gateway Cup, which is now in its 36th year. St. Louis-based Big Shark Bicycle Company owner Mike Weiss is one of the organizers. He says the four-day event provides a unique experience for those who lined the streets to watch. Most people have never experienced uh, 100 to 150 athletes going full gas for an hour and a half. It freaks people out. The proximity they ride to each other and the aggression. It's a really muscular, dynamic, tactical sport, and you don't get that till you see lap one. Weiss says there is no formal economic impact study for the event, but revenue approaches a quarter of a million dollars. The Gateway Cup wraps up Monday. It will involve the Lafayette Square, Francis Park, Benton Park, and the Hill neighborhoods. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're on Twitter, look me up, at Wayne Radio. For Columbia, Missouri artist Fendicio Fifield Perez, paintings and paper cuttings capture moments in time. 
They speak of his early life in Mexico, his childhood in North Carolina, and his struggle to make it as an immigrant in the U.S. under the DACA program. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis spoke with him and asked why he became an artist. It's funny. I was never actually into art. It was other people seeing it. Um, Some of the first times that I really saw what it could do was in second grade when my teacher, Miss Burt and Miss Ward, I came into their classroom not knowing any English, and one of them bought me my first coloring book. And because of that, the third grade teacher knew that I, I was good at art. And then the fourth grade, and then fifth grade, and I can see a physical line that leads to me sitting in this room. And it goes back to just a, a teacher believing in the student regardless of where they were coming from. How do we get to where you are you know, now? Were there any roadblocks when it came to trying to you know, make it as an artist? I had this paper that said that I graduated and that, that I had done this task it took four years, but yet I couldn't actually work or use that diploma. And so just by happenstance, that same summer that I was graduating, um, Obama enacted DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood, for Childhood Arrivals. Luckily, because my mom had saved every single postcard of me doing art, every newspaper clipping, every report card, et, et cetera, we had physical proof of me going back 20 years of being in this country. And so I qualified for DACA. And then I took that and immediately just drove straight to um, Iowa City, where I did my master's. What are some of the things that you're going to have at your Craft Alliance exhibit? The things that I'm most excited to show at the Craft Alliance are paper cuttings, really large paper cuttings that, for me, allude back to growing up and learning this skill, this traditionally Oaxacan or Mexican. And I'd like to give you just like snapshots of what I think are conditions that someone that is undocumented sort of knows or understands. I've always been aware of how we as a society talk about those people, quote unquote, a flood, a surge, a wave, an influx, all these ways of talking about them as if they're not humans, and instead of a literal disaster coming in. And so as someone that embodied that that condition, taking some of those cues and saying, if you are going to describe someone as a surge, then I'm going to give you a wave, but that is suspended in a cut up map. What are some of those family traditions that are Mm -hmm. present in your work? Um, I think it's so funny, but people sometimes don't realize that I'm also very queer and um, I'm married and have a husband. And um, I say that because growing up, I found nothing more exciting than making flowers out of paper with my girl cousins. And so we would do these things. We would fold paper, cut it up, make even bigger hearts or things that opened up. And that's where my affinity with paper really came, that you could take something that was ephemeral, cheap almost, and by folding it and, and having your hands go over it, you could turn it into something that was valuable and quote-unquote beautiful. And I like to think that a lot of the pieces are doing that. Well, what about yourself, though? I mean, kind of, you know, what's next for you then? What, what are you looking at? What I want to do is just have the ability to work in a studio or have a job or travel, have an ID, without the fear of always, always thinking that that ability is going to be quickly removed because of some arguments or who's ever in power. That was artist Fendicio Fifield Perez speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis. Our David Caceres edited that piece. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. No podcast on Labor Day Monday, so we will return on Tuesday. 
I'm Wayne Pratt, and from the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.